Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. Indie Game Business is recorded live on Mixer and produced by the Powell Group. Check us out at IndieGame.Business. Now, let's start the show with your hosts, Jay Powell and me, Indie. Indie Game Business has one of the longest-running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all those speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. What's up, everybody? My name is Indy, and that gentleman right there and right next to me, that's Mr. Jay Powell, and this is Indie Game Business. Yay! Uh, over here on the uh, the side, we have our special guest, Luke Stapley, his uh, Twitter's Game Addict, and go ahead, Jay. I'm just figuring out why Mixer's not connecting, but it's not for some reason, and I have no idea why. It's so, got to do anyway. the, like the re... The re... I already did that. I know, I know. I don't know. The reset don't thing? Know. I don't know. Possibly. Anyway, whatever. Okay, so, uh, Luke, welcome to the show, man. Um, so, let's start where we always start. and At the beginning. Tell us, uh, yeah, no, in the beginning. We're starting in the middle. So, tell us how you got into the industry, and then walk us through your career up to this point. Whew, okay, well, let me start by saying hello. It's great to be here, and hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Luke Stapley. I've been working in the game industry for almost 10 years now. Uh, I first started off as a sales associate over at GameStop. Like many people who have probably gotten into the game industry it, nowadays is uh, going through selling games. I was able to meet somebody at uh, my community college talking about uh, doing some game testing over in the in Redmond area. I did a little bit of that while mm. I was going through school, and mm. that got me started into gaming in the industry. I found out very early on in my college days that I wasn't very good at uh, doing any kind of programming. I did find out I was pretty good at testing, but I knew that there wasn't really, as a tester, there, you kind of have to understand the limits of where you're going to go as a tester. So I thought, was there anywhere else I could go in the industry? And so I started my own uh, journalism work. I started a podcast called The Game Addict Hotline, uh, which lasted for a few years. Uh, and then after that, I uh, worked at Microsoft in the MSN Games Group. Uh, and then I moved to China uh, after the 2008 uh, crisis. And from there, I've just been doing PR and uh, marketing. And then I got a chance to go do some more extra stuff at different companies here in China. And, and ever since there, then, I've just, just been continuing to grow and learn more. I kind of call myself a jack of all trades. I pretty much have done everything except be in the C, the CEO, CFO, or uh, in finance or HR. But so I'm pretty knowledgeable about pretty much most of the things, but not an expert in anything. So. I'm here to help in answering any kind of questions people have about uh, in China or kind of game development or kind of the business, which I find a lot more interesting than uh, sometimes than the games, which is kind of funny. 
it, it, but that's the way, I mean, this, this is what we see all the time. It, it's, especially if you're on the business side of the industry, you know, there's really no straight path to get there. I mean, we, I remember back in the day, we pretty much hired the entire GameStop, GameStop staff mm-hmm. at our company. And to the point that the manager was like, you've hired everyone. Why don't you just hire me? And we did. And so it was, it's, it's actually a good step into the industry that a lot of people don't realize. So um, let's talk real quick before we get into Cocos in the the China indie scene is about the coronavirus that's going, I mean, you're obviously on the ground, you're there. What, what are you seeing and how is it affecting, you know, general business? In China. Well, let's just start a little bit about what's going on. For those who might not know, uh, in Wuhan, there was a virus that had uh, started to spread. Officially, it's been talked about that it was from uh, some kind of uh, exotic meats that were being sold at a market in the city. Unfortunately, the city is very large. There's a couple, couple million people living there. It's about the size of Los Angeles. And so the problem was is that it did it started to grow. And right at this time is when we had our Chinese New Year. And when Chinese New Year happens, uh, that's where a lot of people go back home to see their family. And so just think about uh, with Chinese New Year, think of it as Thanksgiving and Christmas combined. And you can expect to see how much travel there are. And so there is a big fear that a lot of people might have gotten the virus and now it's been spreading across China, still mostly in Wuhan. Uh, the big issue is, is that we don't know exactly how incredibly difficult it's going to be to fix this issue. So uh, the big thing for China right now is that the government has asked uh, for not a shutdown, but for uh, no groups to be kind of coming together. And so we've kind of been into a technical Chinese New Year for the last three three weeks almost. Many people have still not come to work. I've got friends who are still in the villages, not able to get back into some of the cities because uh, they're fearful of what's going on in some of the cities. Uh, even in our company, we've had a lot of people who are still in their hometowns and haven't returned back to our uh, main offices in Xiamen. Uh, so, and I'm in our office up in Beijing. I haven't been able to go to our office uh, since I returned from the uh, Pocket Game or Connect show that was in London last month. So uh, it's been very difficult for a lot of the developers and other people. And, and it's just overall, it's been a little bit of a problem for everybody. But uh, the good thing is, is that uh, there have been some groups that have uh, made a lot of great opportunities out of this. One example, of course, is the video game industry. The video game industry has grown tremendously. We've had a lot of sales. We had um, one game, which is uh, a popular game here that was made by Tencent. I believe it's called the King uh, King of Honor. Uh, it's, uh, no, I'm sorry, Honor of Kings. Honor of Kings made about uh, 3 billion uh, RMB. Uh, which is the Chinese uh, currency in just uh, one week during the Chinese New Year, which is roughly about uh, $120 million, uh, maybe about $230 million, maybe a little bit more. So there's been a lot of opportunities for game developer, game gamers because everybody is at home and they're asking a lot of people not to leave their homes. Or if you do leave your homes, usually just to go to the supermarket. Uh, here, the supermarket is closed at 7 p.m., so... A lot of people have just been sitting at home 
playing games or they're watching movies. So the movie companies uh, like ITE are making a lot of good money. TikTok's doing really well. A lot of people are doing TikTok stuff. It's just been a very interesting uh, time, uh, and hopefully this is going to leave quickly. A lot of people are wishing that. Uh, a lot of us are not going to be able to go to DDC because of what's going on, and we've had to cancel the Taiwan Game Show, and it's been uh, moved to June now. Well, and they, the other big news was they, sh they canceled the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. Yeah, that was... That's a massive show. Yeah, that's probably the most, I would say that's probably the, the biggest uh, gaming or game technology show in the whole world. I mean, I believe they are estimating millions of people. I think it's like one million people coming to Barcelona just for that event, not just actually coming in as uh, part of the show, but like everybody else is going to be doing all these deals and all these other big things. So. Uh, we're kind of, it's kind of interesting. We're not sure exactly how proficient this, this virus is. There's been rumors that it might be as bad as the flu for some people, but it also, some people say it spreads even faster than the flu. Uh, there's just a lot of, uh, not great information going around and the WHO hasn't really helped at all with their information. So we're not sure what's going to happen. We're hopefully... Uh, we'll see in the next few weeks. It's, you know, I've been doing this 20 years. I've never seen a conference the size of Mobile World Congress just flat out canceled. I mean, you know, even when we had the SARS outbreak and, and all that, you just didn't see that. And so now, you know, in the back of your head, you have to wonder, is, is the same thing going to happen at GDC when, you know, they have all these companies that traditionally come in from China to present at the show and, and to be there and, you know, they're not coming. Is, is it going to affect it? You know, is it going to sound the, the second or third death knoll for E3? Because it's, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, I, I've never seen a business effect like this on, you know, any kind of virus or, or endemic or pandemic or whatever we're calling it right now. So, um, so, so you're basically just fortified up and, and <laughs> working from home where you can then? Yeah, I'm just going to stay at home. Uh, I sometimes go to see a friend and uh, try to get some work. I don't live with a, ta a, de a desk at my house, so it gets very difficult to finish work. So it's good to be at a friend's house who has a table and helps out with me. Um, yeah, but yeah, we're trying to do the best we can. We do uh, video conference, video conferencing now with Zoom. Uh, that's pretty much what everybody's doing now for the morning, just to talk with everybody. Uh, and then we're just kind of moving forward with what we need to do. Um, it's uh, gonna be, for, for a lot of us, like in the tech industry, it's not gonna be a big issue, but there is a lot of problems. Uh, a lot of uh, deliveries are still not being accepted in uh, places like uh, JD, which is uh, one of the biggest sellers, as well as Taobao, which is the biggest seller here in China, which is owned by Alibaba, who is uh, looking into getting into the game industry in the next few months. Everybody's going to start going to you know Alibaba and buying things and having them shipped again. So, um, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about your you know your your real job. So, tell us a little bit about Cocos for the, for those folks who don't know what it is. Give us the high level on 
you know, the engine itself and, you know, the, the pros and cons, the, the why use this versus, you know, Unity or Unreal or, or Godot or, or whatever is out there. Okay, so a little bit of history of Coco has been in the industry for nine years. We're one of the oldest uh, game engines for the mobile market. Uh, we started off with, a, a, there was a, I keep forgetting his name, but he was a, a developer in Argentina. He created a, a, a code called Coco's. And with Cocos, Cocos was uh, able to um, Cocos was uh, it was one of the first ones to actually work really well with uh, iPhone. And so, in fact, Cocos iPhone was, I uh, believe, the first Angry Birds was made with that uh, engine. And so, uh, one of the developers or one of the people here in China, um, our our CEO, he decided that he wanted to try out in improving the engine. So he created something called Cocos 2DX. Which was a, uh, a high, uh, a more powerful uh, uh, system for 2D games in uh, in this time. Uh, when I was here in China in 2010, games were very flash-based kind of games. You weren't seeing anything of the level of high quality unless you were either in in the West or I saw a couple of really great games in uh, in Korea that were doing really well. So uh, once we had Cocos 2DX come out, uh, one of the great things about it, and of course with our company, is that we're open source with our engine. So you can go ahead and you can go into GitHub and you go ahead and look, check out the engine and, and do whatever you need to tweak it, uh, play around with it. It's open source uh, through the MIT uh, license. So you can go ahead and have fun with it. Uh, we've worked on that engine. Uh, we just released 3.0, which allowed for uh, Metal, which is uh, Apple moving from the, the original OpenGL to their own uh, graphic library. And so we went ahead and helped out with that. Uh, and we've done some other things. We are now coming out with our own uh, our brand, uh, engine that we think is really awesome called Cocos Creator. And with Cocos Creator, it allows a lot of developers who are into JavaScript or TypeScript uh, to be able to create their own games. And we're finding that this is really great because we see with a lot of the power that HTML5 is coming out with and with the power that uh, cloud gaming is also coming out with, we're going to see a lot more advancements, especially with the casual game space where people can do a lot of things directly from the internet. So we're going to see a lot of uh, cloud gaming or, uh, for example, hotfixes, where instead of having to have to people download a full game on their phone, they can only the developer could hotfix it within the uh, HTML5 development. And so everybody gets the hotfix. You don't have to worry about downloading anything extra. You just go to the website, sign in, and you go ahead and you can play your games. So we're working with Focus Creator. It's really great. I, I would say that uh, if you're looking for something like a AAA 3D graphical kind of game, we're not really that kind of thing. We we highly recommend something closer to uh, made, uh, Unreal, the Unreal Engine. We, we're we're good friends with the Unreal people. Uh, maybe Unity if you're if if you find that's a little bit too difficult. Uh, but we're more looking towards either casual or uh, hyper casual kind of stuff. We find that stuff, especially 2D games or uh, not so large space 3D games is where we're at. And we find that it's a great opportunity, especially with what's happening here in China and across the world. So what are, oh, sorry, completely lost it there. You mentioned some of the stuff with, with Apple and, you know, are there, 
particular advantages to you know using mobile through Cocos. I mean, and we've seen, like like you mentioned, the the live updating on HTML5. How does it support, you know, like the new streaming stuff where you don't necessarily have to download a game anymore, but, you know, you can just play them from stream like Hatch is doing over at Rovio? I mean, how, how does it fit in on that side? That is something that we're looking into, and we have something close to that, but I, we don't really have anything we can show off. Uh, but we, what we do have is uh, we do, for example, if you have the Facebook Messenger app, for example, uh, if you go ahead and you're trying to play a game on the Facebook Messenger app, the infrastructure for that itself was created with our company. Also, if you're making, if you're playing any kind of game on uh, WeChat uh, through their WeChat mini app system, we also created the uh, technology behind that. And now we're opening up that technology to other uh, app companies with our newest product, Cocos Play, which we uh, discussed uh, at uh, earlier this month. We released it this last month. So and we're gonna, we're going to talk about the China indie scene here in a second, but you know we're always advising people, and it's a big thing for me that you know you need to get your game out on as many platforms as possible. So you know if someone's creating the game in Cocos, can they like nearly simultaneously launch across you know WeChat and Facebook Messenger? I know a lot of folks in the U.S. and, and probably even some in Europe aren't as familiar with, with WeChat, but it's a huge platform with, with, you know, millions and probably billions of players. How difficult is it to launch on these different platforms using the engine? So without getting into the, the difficulties of going into WeChat or, or into the China market, which we could talk a little bit later, uh, let me give you a rundown of all the, uh, ex all the things you can export from Cocos Creator. You can do HTML5, Windows PC, Android, uh, iOS, Mac OS, WeChat, Facebook, Oppo uh, mini apps, Vivo mini apps, Huawei mini apps, Baidu mini apps, Samsung mini apps in China, Xiaomi mini apps, Alipay mini apps, and Kuotiao. And then we're working on some other ones. And then we just released also a couple games on Tesla. I haven't even heard of half of those. That's good. That's uh... a. <laughs> That's yeah. a, that that's amazing. But, yeah. right, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean that's I think that's one of the biggest things that, or what we tell people is, and I was talking to a lot of developers in uh London uh, and I'm not going to say a lot of bad things about Unity because Unity is a great engine, but that was one of the biggest things we found that was a big issue with a lot of them is they said, I love my, I have a really good, fun, casual game. I'd like to bring it to HTML5, but Unity doesn't allow for that kind of stuff to happen. And that was something that we are using JavaScript. It's very easy for us to transfer these games to other places as well. So, and of course, one of the great things about us is that we're free. Uh, our, our software's all free. We don't ask for any money from the developers, and so they don't have to worry about requests requiring any kind of uh, contract with us. Uh, they just go ahead and make the game, export it, and then ship it off to Facebook or WeChat or, or put it on their website as an HTML5 game. So I mean, HTML5, and that's an interesting topic in and of itself because for the last 10 years we've been hearing that it's going to be the greatest thing and and everyone's going to be using it and it's still not i mean so 
how big is how many of the games that are released in China are in HTML5? I mean, has it taken off there? Well, because we're using a, a lot of the stuff we're doing now is with WeChat. Uh, let me give you back a little bit of a story of why a lot of newer games now are coming onto WeChat. So a couple of years ago, WeChat released something called the Mini App Store, or not a store, but it's like a mini, a mini app infrastructural system where people could uh, make uh, do all their apps. Instead of downloading an app, they could all do it within WeChat. I do it all the time. I, McDonald's has an app, so I can order my food through McDonald's. KFC has one. I can order food. Uh, I can also order a taxi. Uh, those are some things I can do with it. Uh, the thing is, is w because we helped build it, we understand what we did is for this WeChat uh, infrastructure, we built it off of what HTML5 is doing now. So we've included the phaser, we've included other uh, graphical libraries with it. So you could actually make a lot of these graphical games. I think what was happening with a lot of HTML5 was, and it happened with a lot of things, it was just no, we kind of getting the understanding of how can we add these graphics to the canvas, because the canvas is the most important part of, of these uh, infrastructures. And it hasn't been until like the last two or three years that this has become very uh, applicable and easy to do. There was one company here, uh, I think that might have closed, that was doing it uh, a flash to HTML5 uh, kind of thing where you would dump your flash game into it and it would export it out as an HTML5 game. Uh, so I, I think what's going on is that uh, a lot of people are sleeping on it, is that HTML5 is, is growing very rapidly in the quality of what they're doing. The problem is, of course, um, is it's still, there's a lot of uh, like speed lags and other issues, but with a, uh, G5, uh, 5G coming out, we're finding that uh, speeds are gonna be at a, at a pace that are so fast that probably you won't need to download the whole game. You could probably just bat download a small client of the game and then run it, which probably is going is going to help a lot of people especially with the phone sizes and how many pictures people are taking nowadays so what i mean we should this welcome to the show and this is how we you know bounce around from topic to topic because something pops into my head what before we even get into how you get into the, the china market real quick while i'm thinking about it so what is the primary business model is it in-app purchases is it ads i mean obviously on mobile is it you know ads in-app purchases is it subscription what's the the primary way you see companies making money on, on mobile games in china so what we're finding a lot of things with a uh, mobile so back in 2000 uh, last year we had a big issue um if you ever want if you want to get your game in china and this kind of goes back to if you want to get into china there you have to if you're going to have in-app purchases you have to uh have your game accepted by the government and so they will review the game kind of like the mpaa reviews movies uh, and if it's been approved, then you can go ahead and in-app purchases in your game because they say it's approved for the people of, of China. One of the issues, just a second, I don't have the corona, but I do have a cough. <laughs> um, one of the issues is that there is a, um, the, that uh, they were not giving out any more licenses for these in-app purchase games uh, because they were doing a revamping of the, of the group 
uh, within the government. And so for about eight months, we had no new games, no new games accepted. And so a lot of companies were thinking, we got to do something to get these games out. And so they were doing a lot of uh, advertisement games where you, you would uh, watch an advertisement. And we're finding that you were getting about 20 to 30% of the money that you were making from that comparative to in-app purchases. So most, uh, so a lot of the companies here are doing a lot more in-app purchases. There's a lot of different ways they're doing in-app purchases, which are very different, but are, or you'll probably see a couple of things that are going on like right now with some of the games that you see in America have been happening in China for years, uh, such as uh, rebirthing or, uh, You've seen these games where you get a random item if you pay extra money, if you pay some money. Uh, these are things that have been coming out of Asia in Japan or China or Korea for years, and now it's just finally uh, coming into the uh, American viewpoint. And I know there's a lot of issues between how Americans see these kinds of things, these uh, gotcha games, comparative to what uh, China does. And so, quick break here. You know, we're talking about you know coronavirus and how it's affecting business and the China indie scene and the Cocos Engine in general. So, if you're out there listening, and my apologies to the folks on on LinkedIn right now, uh, I have no idea why you're not seeing video. Uh, I would love to be able to tell you why, but well, no idea. But if you've got questions, throw them up in chat. Wherever you are, we've got all kinds of fancy, you know, tech on this end. So we'll see your question wherever, and we'll get it answered live. Um, all right, so let's let's talk about the China indie market. Hmm. How does someone go about, you know, getting their game released in China on PC versus on mobile? So uh, the problem is, is, is we're finding it's very difficult to bring any game into China because if you're going to be having somebody paying money for it, it has to be accepted by with a license within China. Um, Steam has kind of gotten a, uh, a free pass on this, and so we're seeing a lot of Chinese games going through Steam. You probably have seen a lot of games uh, in America. They've actually opened their games up into uh, the American market. You'll probably see a lot of Chinese games uh heading into the Steam market. So uh, a lot of the people who are making these kinds of games are going to the PC. A lot of them also are using them as demos uh, to get into different uh, companies because the comp competition here is very fierce. Um, there's only a few companies that are very well known that are making extremely good games. There are a few companies that are very small that maybe have like five or 10 people that are making a lot of money. They don't like to be, uh, they like to be very quiet about who they are and how they're making and what they're doing. It seems to be that there's uh, kind of the, the, the point, either you're gonna be going to a really big company kind of like Tencent or NetEase, comparative to uh, small groups who just make their money and keep quiet uh, to keep themselves away from all the uh, other people trying to take their money, as you, you've probably seen with, with some of the uh, conferences, a lot of advertiser companies trying to get meetings with all these game developers. <laughs> so what's the, on the PC side, I mean, we've seen a lot of companies, like you said, Steam has a bit of a free pass as long as you flag simplified Chinese in your Steam release, then you, you tend to get picked up. From a sales point of view, 
is there an advantage to going through the formal process versus just basically, you know, localizing your game and flagging it as, you know, it's in Chinese? Well, the big question, and this has been the big question we've had, I've been talking to a lot of the uh, Westerners here in China who are in the industry. The big question is, when is China going to ban Steam? This is the big question, because they can, uh, with the, the laws here, they can change a law in one day. Uh, there doesn't need to be any kind of filibustering or voting. They can just change it in one day. And so the question is, is when are they going to ban Steam? We've seen them ban other companies like Google or other uh, companies that are, or uh, I'm trying to, or YouTube that have uh, kind of taken a stranglehold over one kind of item in the internet, and then giving uh, more allowance to companies like Baidu or Tudo uh, to get into the industry and uh, make their money. Uh, I mean, Apple has been the only one that's gotten a free pass because everybody loves Apple stuff, but. Um, the, pro the problem is, is when is Steam going to uh, be canceled? That's why uh, people were very worried when Tencent brought out their own uh, version of Steam called Replay, uh, which was uh, a very, uh, it's kind of be a competitor to Steam. So the question is, is does the government want to ban Steam uh, to allow for Replay to make some money? So it's a big question. We're not quite sure when that's going to happen. So that's the big problem is, you're kind of putting all of your eggs into one basket with Steam. And uh, so you have to kind of be prepared uh, that that thing could happen. So uh, that would be, the, I think, the biggest issue with PC. There really isn't any place else I can think of other than piracy. There's a lot of piracy here in China as well. So a lot of people don't want to bring their game out in China. Uh, because they know their game just will not make money on uh, DV on CD sales, so it's, that's kind of how it is. I mean, Chinese is the second biggest language on Steam now. It, it, it's it's huge. It, you know, mm -hmm. from if if you're looking, if you're an indie developer and you're looking at it just strictly from a data point standpoint, then you're absolutely crazy not to localize into Chinese and, and release it in there. And I, I get it, you're, you're putting all your eggs in your own basket, but for a lot of developers, it's the only basket they've got anyway, you know, because it's not, you know, it, there's not a very easy way to get into WePlay for them right now. Right, and also another big issue is that, you know, you have to kind of, uh, look at uh, will they even buy my game? I mean, this is a big issue we have to look at as well. Is yes, there's a lot of people who are really interested in these games nowadays, but from looking at how it's been working in the mobile market, oops, how it's been working Sorry. in the mobile market is that uh, a lot of these Western games are just not being picked up uh, in the in the market uh, that are not AAA levels. For example, in the mobile market, we today there's probably out of the top 100 maybe five games that are not Asia-based. So uh, it's very very difficult uh, to get into the market. So if if you do want to do this, I and I think you can. I highly recommend you have a, a game that has, and I tell a lot of developers, it has to have a worldwide interest. We can see, for example, uh, Clash Royale worked really well, but you can see that Clash Royale worked really well everywhere. Uh, so these kind of games that you can see do very well in Japan, do very well in Taiwan, and in 
do well in Malaysia. You know that if, if, if it's working in those places, it definitely is going to have a good opportunity. It's working in China as well. Are there certain genres that do better than other genres in China? It, it used to be that it, it was only these games that were... Uh, uh, oh, I keep forgetting the name of it, but they were these games that were uh, all about, you know, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, which were uh, old Chinese uh, wushu kind of games, which were games that were kung fu, uh, ancient Chinese attacking, like a Mulan kind of idea. You probably, if you see Mulan, you probably kind of see that idea of, of attacking and uh, uh, hidden, uh, hidden. Uh, I'm trying to remember the movie now. Uh, uh, Fighting Tiger, Hidden Dragon, those kind of uh, games. <laughs> those were the kind of games that were very popular. But recently, with, uh, with the, the growth of Steam here in China, it's opening up a lot more. We're finding games that are, uh, there. there's a lot more openings towards games, like sports games are getting very, very popular right now. Uh, we're also seeing a lot of popularity in uh, first-person shooters, which was uh, exciting. That became a very big hit with... Uh, with the game uh, Peacekeeper Elite, which is, uh, I believe, a Daisy uh, clone, uh, and we also think a lot of uh, people are still enjoying uh, games that are uh, that are kind of like Dota 2. So uh, you can try and you can and, and figure out these things. Uh, you just have to find understand uh, where the market is and kind of it's kind of sad we don't have Steam Spy anymore because it would have helped a lot with giving you an understanding of what's going on, unfortunately. Uh, but I would recommend you just kind of like I said, you just got to find out what's super popular with everybody in uh, in the world. Those are the ones that usually will make the most money. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at the Peacekeeper Elite championship. You've got the first place team in their prize pool bringing in, you know, over $150,000, you know. So it's um, it's interesting. I mean, is it, but is Peacekeeper Elite different than PUBG or is it a spinoff or what? No. How exactly is it different? They just changed the name. They just didn't like the name PUBG, so they just changed the name. It's got everything that's PUBG, so it's not going to be. Uh, it, they also got uh, some advertisements, I believe, with Arnold Schwarzenegger with the Terminator to uh, the Terminator movie that came out when it first came out as well. Not the new one, but the one before. So uh, it, it's it's gotten very popular. People very uh, got very into PUBG uh, in China. It became uh, one of the more popular games. You know, we've heard all those uh, videos about China and uh, Taiwan number one. Uh, so it's been a, a very popularized uh, genre, and uh, we'll see how long this goes. I mean, this goes back to before that. It was uh, the Dota 2, and uh, right now it's Honor of Kings, which is the uh, mobile version of the arena fighting game. So if someone wants to, if an indie team wants to go into the Chinese market, let's say legitimately, not just by you know flagging their title on Steam, what steps do they need to go through? What what do they need to start planning for, and and how do they go and get the process running to get published? Oh, to get published, oh, that's going to be hard. It's uh, really hard to find publishers here in China, especially for PC. For PC, because a lot of them here are just doing mobile. Because what's going on is, for the longest of times, uh, consoles were illegal in China. 
uh, from 19, I believe, 1999 to 2018, it was illegal. To have, uh, they were illegal to sell. So many people were buying Japanese uh, grave market PS3s or PS2s to play video games. So the console market here is pretty much maybe like 2%, 3% of the market. Uh, and so the PC was the next one, but the problem is the PCs were also really too expensive. And so people would have to go to internet cafes to play these games. And so many of them would want to play social games. And so the idea is that uh, any kind of game that has a lot of social inkling to it, it's been always going to do a, a really good, uh, good time. People here love playing social games. Um, some of the biggest games going on right now, of course, are... Uh, Honor of Kings, which is a uh, multiplayer game. Peacekeeper Elite is also a social game. Uh, QQ uh, Mahjong is another big game that uh, got um, a lot of people are playing uh, while they're waiting. Uh, Fantasy Westward Journey, which was made with Coco's 2DX, it still is one of the largest MMORPGs. It's been running uh, as a PC game for a few years. For years and I, I think something long and uh now the uh mobile version of it is out and people have been playing the mobile version uh but i mean there are still some games like naruto uh, mobile is still pretty high uh for for indie people i would say you you kind of have to uh, of course i said like multiplayer is going to be one thing and another thing is you really i and I, I stress this a lot is localization and i think this is something where i talk to a lot of westerners so localization still is of high quality in Japan, but uh, it seems like when we bring English games to Japan, they don't do very well because of the localization issues. And I feel this is something that a lot of the Westerners have had, is there's an issue with localization of their game to make it a higher quality for those players. Uh, in Taiwan, they had a big issue with uh, Hearthstone. The first time they tried to bring it out, I believe there was an issue with uh, localization. The localization wasn't that good. And so they had to work on it uh, to get it right. So I would say if you're going to be doing it, you highly recommend you get, you, you get somebody to do a really good job on your localization. Try to bring in a lot of Chinese humor, a lot of Chinese uh, storylines or, or Chinese interests. I think if you do that, they're going to be a lot more respectful of your game because they'll find that you're being more respectful for their culture. And it's, and it's not just localization in terms of, of translation, but it's a lot of culturalization too. I mean, you can't have skeletons or, you know, a lot of the the games with the undead aren't allowed in China. Is that still the case? Yeah, uh, bones are still not allowed. Blood is not allowed. Uh, that's why for some games, for example, they were doing blue blood and green blood uh, as options just to get you so that you it wasn't blood, it was sweat. For example, um, <laughs> beat you until you sweat to death. Yeah, you gotcha. sweat to death. So uh, there's there's a lot of that. Um, yeah, and also, we, I, I mean, when I worked at Microsoft, one of the things that we talked a lot about is uh, making sure you have the right kind of localization in your images. Uh, like some people, like doing the OK sign in some countries, was seen as uh, very. Uh, very very offensive even nowadays yeah you doing an okay symbol in america probably is very offensive to some people so you had to kind of be open uh, understanding of of what people are wearing uh different dresses we can see for example plants versus zombies 2 when it came out in china they became very localized for uh china and uh, did very well in the chinese market so what did they 
Plants versus Zombies is a good example because, I mean, obviously you do have some zombies in there, but what else did they do to, you know, really make it appropriate for China that other companies aren't doing? Well, they made some of the characters directly towards Chinese cultural ideals, dressing up some of the zombies as Chinese zombies, and Chinese zombies are a very different kind of look to them. Uh, Chinese zombies usually have a chi pao, kind of like a guy chi pao uh, on them as w that's usually of a bright color and also wearing a hat with a little bowl on the top. And instead of uh, moaning and groaning, they usually will hop with their hands out. This is a very different look of what a zombie in China is comparative to what the West has. So they did that. Uh, I believe some of the levels had some uh, Chinese influence. Uh, so they were just trying to do things. Also, the way you played the game, uh, they had a lot of microtransactions uh, inside the game, which a lot of the Western people were very turned off on. Remember, the reviews were telling them they were not very happy about microtransactions. But in China, they were just loving it because microtransactions is uh, an accepted ideal in China. Uh, they don't worry about paying extra money for these free games. Uh, which is kind of still the sticking point with the differences between uh, what's going on in the West and what's going on in the East. I, I, I had to look this up to see what, you know, the differences. I just posted a thing in chat where they have pictures of the the Chinese version of the zombies in Plants vs. Zombies. And that's, um, that's, that's, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, because... We don't think of anything, you know, a zombie is a zombie, you know, it, it, it doesn't, but these look almost like, I don't know, like, like cultural icons, yeah. I would assume, you know, not just like it, this person died and their clothes are starting to rot and they're walking around. It's like these zombies went and got dressed up together. They have, yeah, they, they have a uniform. Yeah, they have like a clown kind of looking outfit, I usually say, and they're also very pale face. Their faces are very, very white. Uh, it's, yeah, it's very strange. It's a, that's, but those are the things that if, if you add a couple of things, I, I remember one of the things that uh, Homescapes, uh, the people, Playtrix, who do the Homescapes games, which you probably know, they're the match three game uh, yeah. with that bald guy. They actually, uh, they were having trouble in China until they had, and they said they don't like the old guy. They said, why do you have an old guy as your, as the guy helping me? I don't like that he's bald. And then what they did is they said, okay, we're going to do this. And they took him on his Weibo account, which is the Twitter in China, is Weibo. They uh, took him on a trip to China where he actually said, I'm going to go and see China. And so they took him to different places in China. And while he was on his adventure, he was eating different food of different cities. And then what was happening is people were starting to recommend different places for him to go to. He said, why is he not going here? Why is he not going here? He should eat this when he gets to this place. And what happens, it became a very, they were very happy to have him come and visit China and visit all the great things that are happening. And from there on, uh, the game has really grown. I mean, uh, it's one of the top, I would say it's probably one of the top five Western games that are going on in China. Right now. So um, now I'm very curious, this little tag on the, the Chinese zombies that's on their hat and that hangs down in their face, what does that say? <laughs> Oh, uh, usually the tags are like a, a, a prayer, and that if you put that on them, it's supposed to stop them or, or kill them. Ah. 
So it's a joke on those. Yeah, it's, yeah I know. It's very strange. It's a very different. That's why I said if you're doing these little small things where you go, hey, for my Chinese fans, here's something really cool that symbolizes something that we respect of your culture. Uh, because in China, it's a very, uh, they love uh, other people respecting their culture. They are very, they take as pride that their culture is 5,000 years old. They go, we are 5,000 year old country, uh, culture. We are, we have so much culture in our culture. Uh, so they love it when you respect that culture and you give them something we call like face, which is giving them uh, pride in themselves. So when you do that, they, they take to it. So, I, and I'm sure there's a lot of companies, God knows we know a, a ton of localization companies out there in general, but as you're, so as you're looking at doing the culturalization as well, you've got to make sure you got that coverage. You got to make sure you're working with somebody who has, you know, actually released stuff in China and they understand that market. How is it different on a mobile game, you know, because they are so much bigger and we see mobile Chinese publishers all over the place and in, you know, at these shows at E3 and GDC and places like that. And they're all, they all say they're like top five in the country and there's 50 of them. So they can't all be top five. How should an indie team that has a mobile game go, go about, you know, approaching the Chinese market? I highly, highly, highly recommend you find a publisher. It's probably the best thing for you to do. You can't, uh, there really isn't, unless you're working from the App Store and, and Apple, there's absolutely probably zero opportunity for you to make any kind of uh, recognition in the Android market. Uh, the problem is, is a lot of the people who are downloading games on, well, first off, Google Play is banned in China. So you can't put your game on Google and expect it to be downloaded in China. You'd have to go through some of the biggest uh, Chinese app stores, would include the Xiaomi store, the uh, Huawei store, or uh, the QQ uh, Tencent store. Uh, they've got some really big uh, stores that a lot of people are downloading games from. Uh, so unless you have some kind of deal with those people, you're not going to get your game actually into the market. Also, if your game has in-app purchases, you're going to have to get registered with the government. So uh, you're gonna. It's better just to have a publisher go in and, and do and take care of all those issues with, for you. Though, if you do have it as a game with uh, advertising, you don't need it as a license. So you could go in without a license. If you have pre-roll and post-roll and uh, rewarded videos, uh, that is not a big problem. The only, of course, the only issue again is that you can't really if you're not in one of those big. Um, those those big mark, uh, app stores, you're probably not going to be recognized unless you get big in one of the social networks here, like in Weibo or uh, other places. So how do you go about, you know, given how many Chinese publishers there are, mm. and it really is. I mean, in China, when we say it's a, com a completely different market, yeah, I know literally it's a completely different market, but it's also, it's it's so different. I mean, it's it's not like uh, a lot, you know, you're going to publish in France or Germany or, or, or Russia. It's something way far out. And a lot of companies, part of their concern is, okay, if we get something, you know, if this company rips off our game, what are we going to do about it? You know, we're not going to be able to sue somebody in China. How do you go about 
making sure that publisher that you're working with in China is reputable. You know, how do you qualify them? What do you look for? How do you know you're not going to get completely, you know, ripped off on these things? Well, I, I, from experience, I can tell you there's only a few that I definitely can recommend that I know are doing well. Uh, one that uh, we like to talk to and I'm good friends with are the people over at uh, iDreamSky. iDreamSky is the indie uh, kind of group for Tencent. Uh, they're down in Shenzhen, uh, which is uh, near Hong Kong, uh, which is actually, Guangdong is actually a really good place. There are actual uh, opportunities for people to sue and win uh, down in the south of China. It's uh, not, uh, it's still, it's, it's pretty easy to do. It's not as easy as America, but you can actually do win if there is some kind of issue. Uh, another company that I like is uh, Yodo One uh, up here in Beijing. Uh, another one I like is Abtuti. Uh, those are three companies that I definitely can see. Uh, one of the things that I find is if you're going to some of the game conferences, usually the game conferences are going to have the people who have the money who are going to be able to take care of you. Uh, most of these companies that, they, that, that are publishers that say they could publish for you are probably not going to have the money to go to these conferences. Uh, so I saw a couple of uh, Chinese companies that were in uh, at the China, uh, London show and uh, those are all the ones that I knew are highly reputable, very nice. Uh, if you want to go, if you're more worried about it being a Chinese company, uh, there's a couple other companies that go into China that have uh, subsidiaries outside of China. Uh, I have a friend, oh, it's my, the name just escapes me. Uh, there's a couple of companies that I know. There's one up in Europe that I, I'm very good friends with. Uh, they also uh, will bring games from Europe to China. Uh, or other country, other places. Uh, so uh, you can probably there's a uh, you just got to be very very careful with some of these companies. A lot of them, if they don't have games that are also in the West that are making money, you probably are not going to go talk to them. Uh, also, we a lot of these people who have been crazy that have uh, been taking a lot of money from other people have already died out from last year because many of the people who last year. Uh, we're already almost at the brink of losing money because of the uh, eight-month uh, no license. They pretty much have died out. So only the companies uh, like Tencent or NetEase or some of the other ones that kind of have a, a good, reputable reputation and are doing really good are still alive. All right, so let's flip it around 180 degrees for a second. What is the... Chinese indie developer scene like in China? I mean, are, are there a lot of Chinese indie teams trying to get to the West? There are a lot of indie games. I, I, I know there's, uh, when I went to the conference last year in Shenzhen, there was a uh, indie prize for a Game Daily Connect, uh, Shenzhen. A lot of really interesting games. I'm finding that uh, the games coming out of China now are very impressive in the mobile space. I'm finding uh, when I first came in, a lot of them were still flash-based or they looked very simple. And they were saying, I'm hoping I can make a lot of money from this. Uh, now they're coming out and they are full-fledged fun games. One game that I found was which was hilarious was it was a uh, 3D shoot-the-target game. 
So you would uh, just move your mouse around until you got a chance to shoot the target. And uh, the game would get harder and harder to get to the target. You'd have uh, different blocks for your way or different things were moving around so you couldn't hit the target. But then you could buy like machine gun and then have a machine gun shooting the target or you could have a rocket launcher as an upgrade. And that would just blow out the, uh, the problem there. So it was a fun game. And I was telling people, wow, this is a game that I actually would really think a lot of people are, should get into. Uh, but, and there's a lot of games that are coming out that are extremely exciting. Uh, the, the problem, of course, is that uh, a, lot, a lot of these companies, they'll find the people who are making that game, uh, like a Tencent or a NetEase, they'll find out, okay, who are these kids who are making it? And they'll just uh, hire them and bring them up <laughs> to their own spaces. And so if you're not a really, if, you're, if you've got one guy who's really good at sound, they'll just pick up the sound guy and then let the rest of you guys go off to something else. So um, this is uh, something you're going to have to be careful of. Uh, they are all, everybody is looking for the highest quality people because there's like millions of people. So finding some kind of gem in the middle of everything, they're going to just grab them. So what's the biggest, what's the biggest roadblock that you see with these Chinese, with, with the Chinese indie devs actually bringing their, their products to the West? Because I mean, I'll, I'll totally confirm what you just said about the the game daily indie prize games because I'm a indie prize judge and I actually judged some of those games and they are they're great. What sort of support do they need? What sort of you know barriers are they hitting to get their games published in you know in in the West and in Europe and and so on. I, I think the biggest issue is language barrier and localization, of course. I mean, it, it, it goes both ways. They, uh, uh, they have a lot of lo oh, Chinese localization is really, there's only one or two companies that I can highly recommend here in China that are of value for your localization. Everybody else is just pulling straws. Uh, even I've done, when I was working with my other company and we were doing testing with different, uh, uh, translators, there were only maybe two or three companies that I was listening to that were good enough to do these kind of edits uh, from Chinese to English, or English to Chinese, and, and vice versa. So a lot of them, I don't think they have that. Also, there isn't a lot of education about the industry. I find, I find that that's probably the biggest thing that they have. A lot of, uh, like, for example, for developers, there's tons of opportunities. There are massive amounts of, of opportunities as a developer to learn how to be a developer. But as a business, nothing. There's very little, <laughs> which I think is, is kind of uh, an issue within the whole industry itself. A lot of people are doing really well in the industry in the business side, but they just do not want to talk about it. They'd rather talk about how awesome the graphics are, how good the sound is. And I keep telling people that's great. I mean, if you have a great game, that's a good start, but you've got to understand, like I, I tell this to everybody, we're in the entertainment business. We're like in the movies or TV or radio or, or magazines. We're all, there's, there's a side that people love and they enjoy and they get to have fun and be a fanatic of. But then there's the side like, okay, how am I making money out of this? 
And that's the side that a lot of people don't talk about uh, in the industry. And it kind of disheartens me because then people go, why did this company X do this Y thing? And it's like, well, they need to make money. And so they're going to do Y. Why not? That's the, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that whole, we'll teach you how to make a game, but we're not going to tell you how to sell it is a, uh, a bit of a trend in the, in the entire industry. It's just why we do this show, you know, it's like, because there is no good place to, to learn how to do all this. Um, if, and for those of you out there listening, if we've got, we're, closing in on, on our shutoff time here. So if you've got any questions at all about, you know, the Chinese market, about the Cocos engine, or about the coronavirus, you know, let us know, throw it up in chat, we'll see it. Um, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have the, the um, cup here that says, I hate people. So, you know, I'm good to go. The, um, any, any closing thoughts, Luke? I mean, what can we as an industry do, you know, to, to further break down some of these barriers that, that exist between, you know, the Chinese market and the rest of the industry and, and so forth? What I tell a lot of people is that when you come into this industry in China, forget everything you've learned about the West, because everything that you've learned in the West will not work here. Uh, you'll think I have to do this thing will not work. What if I do this thing? Will not work. I say this also to my Chinese friends. Oh, you want to go to the West? That thing that you've been doing here in China? Will not work in the West. Uh, one example I can give that's a really good obvious one is uh, the gotcha. Uh, with, uh, with gotcha games, for example, uh, in China, they like it because they have an opportunity for the gotcha games to uh, win more things with more money. And we know in the West, we don't think that winning by money makes you a very good person. They feel like skill is the reason that you're a wonderful number one winner. In China, if you have money, they say, congratulations, that was one of the skills that you could have used to win the game. So they have pride with people who spend five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 on a game. So that's kind of one of the things I tell people is that you can't expect, for example, I was working on one game, they wanted to give this really beautiful pagoda uh, for the for their town. And I said, oh, that's really nice. How much do you guys want to sell it for? And he said, oh, we're going to sell it for $500. And I'm like, no one in the West is going to pay $500 for a pagoda. So he said, oh, I said, bring the prices down. They said, how much for uh, a villager? And I said, $1. And they said, that seems very low. And I'm like, you've you got to work with the Westerners. They have a different mindset about the pricing in, in the West. Luckily, the game worked out pretty well, and it, it made a lot of money. But there was that mindset that they had; it just they couldn't get out of. And so, uh, my 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 idea is that you just you gotta really, if you're gonna focus on the industry, you have to kind of either be here or you have to talk to like the experts here. There's a lot of good companies. Nico Partners is a great a company that does a lot of research. Uh, there's also some people, uh, uh, some other people here in the in the Chinese industry that uh, know a lot of great things that I talk to all the time. Uh, you can always message me on uh, Twitter at Game Addict, or you can always join our Discord at Co our Coco's Discord. Uh, you can just go to the uh, Twitter, and there should be a link to the Discord in one of our posts that we put out a while ago. 
uh, and we're happy to answer any of those kinds of questions at all. And also, if you have any questions about the Cocos engine, we'd love to answer those questions as well. So, I mean, that's probably the best thing you could do if you want to come into the industry. And Doom says, I, I assume in Japan it's like this as well. He said, a game that I applied to and had to do research for an interview, he said, even the Western whales thought the prices were ridiculous. And and it, it it's another one of those cultural things. It, it is amazing because you're right. You know, and that was one of the, the big complaints early on about PUBG was, you know, the people in China were, were, you know, hacking it or cheating it, or they were, you know, buying things to get better. And and here you're right. I mean, pay to win is like, oh dear God, don't ever do that. I mean, just ask EA because they right. continue to do it and whatever. But in China, completely good to go. You don't have to worry about well, it. Just put it in well, there and make money. Well, they've, they, people find out exactly how to uh, become number one in the game in the first three months. And so a lot of the developers have to kind of uh, try to get as much money out of those people in the first three months before people finally go, oh, okay, I don't have enough, or I'm not going to get into this game anymore, and they just delete it. So a lot of things here in China is very short tail. They've, they're very more, much more into short tail kind of revenues. And so you'll find a lot of these companies will just try to grab as much money I mean, in Thailand, I believe I had a friend that said that most of the games would only be played for seven days before people deleted them. So you had to grab as much money from them in the first week of your game before you lose 90% of your audience. So it's much different than in America, where we're a very long tail game uh, development where we'll have people where we're talking a lot more about GAAS, games as a service, comparative to what uh, is going on in China for some of these games. So China is kind of seeing the 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 quantum the, the lifetime values of these uh, games as a service and are starting to kind of move towards kind of a middle point between that and the pay to win idea. Yeah, that, I mean that, that's interesting. You don't you don't think about it because and what we do every day. You're right. It, it's the whole games as a service. You know, but at the same time, it actually goes back about 10 years to when, you know, mobile started and even like the hyper casual stuff that's going on right now. You know, you don't, when you're making hyper casual games, you don't expect them to be played for six months. You expect them to be played for like two weeks and then you better have something else to catch that player's attention or you're going to lose them for good. So I think what we should do is we should do a show that, uh, specifically talks about like the top 20 things to do to you know to, if you're going to make your game and in, in, put it out in china you know what i mean so just like that. the different culture like just a show that specifically talks about those things i'll talk to the scheduling guy on the team okay and see what, um... i'll have my my lady my secretary call your secretary <laughs> All right, Luke, thanks so much, man. And, and I, one, appreciate you, you hanging with us and getting bumped you know, from last week because, you know, Indy's <laughs> PC wasn't working. And we appreciate you staying up till, what is it, like one in the morning over there right now to hang out with us? It is 2.13 uh, a.m. Saturday wow. night. True. <laughs> well, I guess you're not going clubbing. That's the thing. That's um. Uh, clubbing is closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, take care of yourself. Stay safe. Don't get sick. You know, if you've got questions for 
Luke, like I said, you know, there's the Coco's Discord. There's our Discord. Uh, he's on there. Uh, it's discord.gg slash indie game business. Uh, and then we'll get the audio pulled down from this. We'll get it posted and you'll be able to find it and a ton of our other episodes over on anchorfm.indie, I mean, slash indie game business. So that's it for us right now. Thanks, everybody. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.